Today, the two of us are going to talk a little bit about these commonplace terms in sport and exercise psychology, um, particularly three that are oftentimes jumbled together and sometimes even considered interchangeable. But rather, we think these three terms in particular outline a very different aspect of a sport or some high intensity profession or even just your everyday exercise. So today our goal is to help create a little bit of a distinction between these three terms and maybe even give you a little bit of an opportunity, a way that you can improve and even maintain each level of that skill. So we're going to go in a pretty particular order because we both think that the very first term is kind of the foundation for the later two terms and um, they almost build together in a progressive unit. So today we're going to talk about mental toughness, mental endurance, and mental resiliency. So what do you think, Miles? Do you just want to get started? Yeah, I think we should get right into it. I mean, I really like how you talk about how one builds on one another. It's kind of like this process over outcome mentality that we talk about so often. Absolutely. And that we we start in one place and we want to be at another place, but to get there, we have to, you know, work through the building blocks. And I think that through mental toughness, mental endurance and mental resilience, these are the these are the foundation, like you said, to getting to where we want to be. For sure. So when you hear the word mental toughness, what do you think? Yeah. So when I think of mental toughness, I think of all of our favorite athletes. I think of certain branches of the military, like the Navy SEALs and like, you know, like just just an example of character. So it's like the ability to resist, manage or overcome doubts or worries that are going to prevent you from excelling at a task or getting to an objective that you want to be at. So, you know. When I think of mental toughness, I also like to think of positive self-talk and doing everything I can to protect myself from all the negative noise that's going on around me. For sure. I think mental toughness is that piece that really sets the good from the great, right? It kind of sets those legends apart because they're able to almost remove themselves from maybe a not so great situation or a stressful situation and really consider whether or not it's affecting them in a true manner, they can kind of evaluate that scenario. And like you said, overcome those doubts um, almost in their own little microcosm of that situation. So I thought that was cool. Oh, 100%. And another thing that I think is important to add is that these these Olympic athletes or these Navy SEALs or all of these high-level people that we're talking about, you know, they're not born with mental toughness. It's something that they've trained over time. Just oh, like yeah. all of the skills we're going to talk about today, this is not something that you're just born into. Right. It's something that's practiced over time, like how you practice your sport or how you practice, 
the art craft that you're good at. It's all about practice. Oh, I, I totally agree. I mean, we think about just the introduction of our podcast in and of itself, right? He talks about the world, using the world as, as our library and as a way to improve our craft. It's a way of strengthening our, our brain. Our brain is a muscle in the same way that our bicep is. And we're not born with, with strong biceps, right? We're not strong. We're not born with a, a very strong brain. We have to develop that and kind of use the world around us. So I think that's, um, that's a really good point you make too. Awesome. So we have, we have two techniques that we like to use when it comes to mental toughness. One of them is we like to call the three P's. Yeah. So we like to take a step back and think about a situation in front of us. The first P is permanence. So understanding that bad things are temporary. So not seeing this and overgeneralizing overgeneralizing and saying like, oh, this bad thing happened. Now I'm just going to extrapolate that into my whole life. And now everything is bad and I'm bad. Right. So this just happens occasionally, but it's no big deal. Second, we've got pervasiveness. So, you know, bad things have a specific cause and they're not universal. And so like if you're playing in a game and you play an outdoor sport, we'll call it soccer, for example, when the weather is better, you know, my first touch won't be as much of a problem. Right. right? So it's a it's a not so great situation right now, but in the next game, it's going to be okay because the weather will most likely be better. Finally, is whether it's personal or not. So is it my fault? Is it not my fault? I'm good at this, but you know, today wasn't my day. We're not perfect. We don't operate in a vacuum. So sometimes we just have to be able to take a step back and say, you know, today wasn't my best performance. That's okay. And, you know, you do what you can to do better next time. Absolutely. And I think that um, kind of goes right into our next technique that we're going to talk a little bit about is that visualization piece and kind of even taking it a step back to what I was saying is the, what separates the good from the great is the ability to remove themselves from the situation. So right. What you were saying with those three P's permanence, pervasiveness, and whether or not it's personal, that the great have the ability to separate themselves and take a step back, like what you were saying and really evaluate that situation from, um, from those three perspectives yeah. And then maybe even take it a step further and practicing a little bit of visualization. Um, so you mentioned Navy SEALs and, um, and soldiers, you know, United States Special Forces. We actually have a, a couple of pieces that um, that we're going to talk specifically about from a Navy, Navy SEAL, Navy SEAL. Wow. Words are fun. Navy SEAL <laughs> and Special Forces perspective. Um, so. With mental rehearsal, they actually visualize themselves being successful in in their activities and going through those motions. And even more so, they visualize problems and what is a possibility for them to encounter when they're out in the field and how they would overcome them, how they would go about challenging that adversity in that moment. So we have a really unique quote from um, somebody in the United States Special Forces, and they're talking a lot about how they actually spend almost an entire morning going over any possible mistake, any potential hardship that 
um, could happen while on a mission or out in the field. And they mercilessly, oh my gosh, words are super fun this morning. They really take a, a hard focus on it and examine it pretty deep and consider what an appropriate response would be. So, you know, if X happens, then we'll do Y. If we've got Y, then we'll take it a step further and we'll do Z. So it's almost like a practice run or a rehearsal if you're taking it from a performing arts standpoint. Um, so visualization and those three P's are, are really awesome ways that an athlete or a performer can build that mental toughness. Yeah. And, and when you were talking about how, you know, when we visualize, we like to think of the positive. We like to think of a, a perfect experience, a perfect game, whatever it is. But taking a step further and visualizing the negatives and how you're going to react in these adverse situations is such a good tool. Now, when we visualize those situations, we don't want to let them drag us down. Right. But we want to use them as an example so that when we're faced with that kind of situation in a game or in a performance experience, because we inevitably will, it's going to feel familiar and like we've been there before. So I think that that's a really good point. Absolutely. And then with visualizing what could potentially happen um, or what could potentially go wrong, we can almost train a little bit of the endurance piece of our brain. So I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the next topic that we're going to talk about mental endurance. Um, And essentially it's, the ability to keep going, right? It's this aspect, this piece of willpower, discipline, um, self-discipline and, and perseverance. It's never quitting. It's this um, kind of idea of the Energizer Bunny, right? Like that, that commercial where he just keeps going and going and going regardless of, of what happens. So I think visualizing what could potentially go wrong actually exhibits a lot of mental endurance because even in the midst of that adversity, even in the midst of that hardship, an athlete, a performer, a soldier, a special forces, um, special forces soldier, they're able to keep going and they exercise that mental endurance and mental toughness to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a a kind of a buzzword that would work with mental endurance is persistence. Yeah. And we, you can kind of use the the catchy, like keep your eye on the prize. Absolutely. And I think that that's what mental endurance is all about. And, you know, when you, when you develop your mental endurance, you gain mental strength. So right. it's kind of like this circle that we keep talking about how they keep building on one another. Absolutely. And then once you're in this position where you've developed one, you're starting to develop another, you can use whichever you need, whenever you need them. I agree. So, and then to go back to another point that we had, just to keep hammering this home, just like a lot of the stuff we do is it it takes practice. Right. So So, when, yeah, go on. I was just going to ask. So how would you recommend that we go about practicing mental endurance or maybe even building mental endurance? Yeah. So we have, we have four uh, kind of ideas that we like to use when it comes to developing and practicing our mental endurance. The first one is, is mindfulness meditations. And I know sometimes meditations can have a negative connotation where you picture somebody sitting for hours and hours and hours on end when that's not necessarily how it needs to be done. So it could be two minutes. It could be five minutes. It could be right before you go to bed, but it's just focusing on your breath, 
and focusing on where you are right here, right now. And if you feel distracted, just coming back to your breath, if negative thoughts come into your mind, just letting them drift away. Yeah. The next one is using puzzles or crosswords. And I know that we're all stuck inside right now. So working on a puzzle or working on a crossword is something that we're not too far away from doing right now. Right. But it's a good opportunity to work our brand a little bit and to try something that we're pretty unfamiliar with. The next one, and it's something that everybody is quite familiar with that's listening to this, is using physical exercise to get more oxygen and blood to the brain. This doesn't have to be an absolute gut buster where you're going 100 miles an hour the whole time, right. but just making sure you're getting out and you're doing something so that you know, you're getting a little sweat, you're getting your, your blood pressure up and, uh, or your heart rate up, and, and you're getting a little bit of work in. Yeah. And finally, it's learning or developing a new skills or starting a hobby. And I think that that's really hard for a lot of us because starting something new can sometimes be a little bit uncomfortable. But I think right now, in particular, when we have so much extra time on our hand, starting something new, working on our self-discipline is is really, really big for us. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point that you mentioned learning a, a new hobby or, or starting a new practice um, or, or skill is a piece of mental endurance because I know that when I try to learn a new hobby right let's say um, at the very beginning of quarantine this actually happened FYI I tried to teach myself how to knit and it was terrible I don't have a whole lot of hand-eye coordination which is ironic because I I was an elite athlete for 13 years Um, but I, I couldn't I couldn't get it down and we all like to do stuff that we're good at. And that's usually kind of how we find our, our niche, where it's sport, whether it's performing arts, whether it's writing, et cetera. We, we tend to go with the things that we're naturally good at and we have a little bit of natural born talent. So learning a a new hobby, even something as silly as learning how to knit and kind of working through those hardships. And I say hardships as if knitting is, is this worldly experience, right? But kind of going through those basics and, and learning something new for the first, second or third time and really teaching yourself from, from the ground up, maybe teaching yourself something that you don't have a lot of natural born talent definitely takes a lot of mental endurance. It really, you've got to keep going, bringing it back to that buzzword that you said, you've got to be persistent. You've, you've got to be self-disciplined to actually get to the point where you are in a little bit of a groove with that, that new skill. So I like that you brought that piece in. And I like that when you're talking about the knitting and how it was difficult and facing adversity, it it makes me think of the third uh, buzzword that we want to talk about, which is mental resilience or mental resiliency. So, you know, the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, or threats. And yes, I understand that knitting is not traumatic or a tragedy when you can't achieve it the first few times you do it. But, you know, you're facing a bit of adversity when you're going through something new that you're completely unfamiliar with. Absolutely. So, and, and it can be a little bit stressful and annoying when you can't do it the first few times when you have a, a track record of being a successful athlete. So when you think of mental resiliency, what do you think of? So I kind of think exactly what, what you're talking about. I picture that Energizer Bunny that we 
we mentioned in mental endurance and I picture the one commercial where he runs into a wall and he just bounces back and turns right around and he he keeps on going so the continuation um of of his drumming of his movement that is mental endurance but the fact that he hit that wall and bounced right back that piece is the mental resilience piece so I think that they really are hand in hand in um it really hits home that they all are three truly related. However, they're all so significantly different. And I think we oftentimes think that resilience is the same as endurance, but it is separating those two pieces from being able to come back from a hardship, from a setback versus being able to withstand a hardship um Mm. so i i'm excited um i think that there are a lot of ways that athletes and performers can build mental resilience um and personally one of my favorite ways to do it is just to make connections with people to reach out so go bringing it back to my knitting my knitting example I reached out to my grandma and that was something that she and I were really able to strengthen our relationship on. She taught me some tricks, which was real helpful. And we were really able to support each other in that moment. And again, not that knitting is this worldly experience, but given the circumstances that we're in, I've not been able to see my grandmother. So that was a really unique way that she and I were able to offer a little bit of support in, in these difficult times um, and maybe even help us regain a little bit of hope um, Mm -hmm. for the future. So if you think about an injured athlete, making a connection with, whether that be a psychologist or a mental performance coach, or maybe even just making a connection with another teammate that he or she have never really been close with that can, that can really instill a level of hope for return post injury. Um, And if we're on the other side of that, building connections with someone that maybe needs a little bit of help in building that resilience that can help us foster our own sense of resilience. So Mm. I think making a connection um, with another person or a group of people is a really unique way of, of building resilience that is oftentimes overlooked. Yeah. I I really like that one. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I really like that one because you're, you're taking an an opportunity to take it away from sport a little bit here because you were talking about building connections outside of sport. And like we've talked about in previous podcasts, we don't operate in a vacuum. There's so much more going on in our life. So taking an opportunity to take a step back and connect with somebody who's not involved in sport, who's someone who's a family member or another friend, I think that taking that opportunity to train your mental resilience and build connections with people who you don't normally get to see or you don't often get to see, I think that that's that's huge. For sure. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the other three ways that we're going to outline here in a second, Um, you know, this idea of controlling the controllables, we say it, we hear it all the time. And it's just this notion that we, this truth that we really can't control what's happening outside of us, what's happening around us. The only thing that we can control is our reaction. And if 
we choose not to make a connection, if we choose not to bounce back, not to fight back, then that is our mistake, right? We can't control Mm -hmm. what's, what's going on. So, um, you know, taking, taking the controllables and really evaluating them is another way that we can build and foster a little bit of that mental resilience. And that also goes hand in hand with keeping things in, in perspective. It's what you were saying back in the mental, um, mental toughness piece. It's, whether or not it's it's personal, right? So keeping things in in perspective, does it really affect our entire world? Does it really mm-hmm. affect our entire situation? Are we blowing things out of proportion? And and really examining that um, because if maybe we have an injury and maybe in those five months it is hard, but realistically, maybe in five months, we'll be physically healthy again, right? Mm-hmm. So blowing things out of proportion, saying that it ruined our lives and, and taking it to such, a, st- such drastic measures, that actually really defeats um, and, and really diminishes someone's mental resilience. So keeping things in perspective helps mm-hmm. us keep a a long-term lens, a long-term view uh, when, when we're facing something that, um, that we need resilience for like a difficult or painful event. And then lastly, it's just this idea of staying flexible. Um, it's okay if sometimes we experience really, really strong, intense emotions, you know, anger, sadness, defeat, that's okay. We feel that we're human. Um, and it's accepting that in a 24 hour time span, it's okay to feel that as long as we really don't act upon it, we don't react in an overly emotional and or irrational way. Um, so taking that piece and giving ourselves a little bit of grace and recognizing that we can experience those strong emotions, but then also considering when we might need to push them aside, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe they're not necessarily warranted. So, um, kind of taking that perspective piece one more time and considering whether or not those strong, intense emotions are truly necessary. Um, and, just knowing when to ask for help. So all of these things that we're talking about, they go hand in hand, but considering that connection piece, knowing when to ask for help, knowing when to build a connection, it helps us grow. And asking for help doesn't necessarily mean that we're weak, but rather it means that we're strong, we're resilient, and we even are self-aware enough that we can be a little bit of a, a little bit humble and and recognize when someone else may have the tools that are necessary for our resilience. Yeah, I think I think that knowing when to ask for help is like you said, it's not a weakness. It's it's knowing how to use your resources. So you know, immediately when facing a hardship, we're not going to go and ask for help. We're going to try to get through it ourselves first. So, you know, if we try to get through it ourselves, we don't 
we don't have the tools to do it, we find somebody who does. So that's just using one of the resources we have at our disposal. And I'm not saying that somebody's just somebody that we use, but if you're really good at something and I'm struggling with it, I'm going to ask you because you have expertise in the area and I'm comfortable doing that. Another thing that you talked about that I really, really liked was this idea of responding and not reacting to a lot of these situations. So keeping things in perspective. So taking a step back, is this, am I extrapolating something that's happening in a game or in a situation right now to my entire life? Like, is that what I'm doing? Okay, well, I need to take a second, take a breath, remove myself from the situation, separate myself a little bit and realize, am am I reacting to this? Or am I having a calculated response? And so that I think was a was an awesome point that you added. Yeah, I agree. So I kind of want to sum up these three concepts that that we really talked and maybe even use them in um, in the perspective of sport and in the lens of sport, just just for our listeners, kind of as a, a little bit of a takeaway. So we've got this mental toughness piece and when it boils down to it, mental toughness is just practicing and playing to your potential and really maximizing that potential with the tools in your toolbox, right? In in the mm-hmm. the library that we've got around us to build to build that craft and um, just overall work ethic. And we've got mental endurance um, that's really continuing just to work as hard as we always have. So maybe working just as hard at the beginning of the season as we do as at the end of the season and really maintaining that work ethic, maintaining that mental toughness as the season progresses. Um, or maybe even when others seem to lighten up their practice loads, um, you know, in, in off season, what have you. And then lastly, we've got mental resilience and it's this idea of bouncing back from a tough loss or, an injury and really doing so with a positive attitude. And again, that mental toughness of strong work ethic, just as strong as we had before that big loss or before that injury. Um, And realistically, we need to first develop and maintain some level of mental toughness to really begin fostering and building mental endurance and mental toughness also really helps in the development and the true use of mental resilience. And maybe sometimes mental resilience isn't always necessary. Um, But if it is, that mental toughness foundation is, is really important. And then we've got mental endurance as almost the application of that mental toughness over an extended period of time. Um, So as jumbled as these three words oftentimes are, they're actually very unique in, in nature. And um, I, I think, you know, mental endurance and mental resilience actually require some level of, of mental toughness. And I always think it, it makes the most sense to start there and, um, you know, work in a, in a progressive manner. Um, so that, what about you, Miles? Do you have any other, you know, final takeaways for, for our listeners tuning in today? Yeah. So first off, I think that that was an awesome summary. And I love how you talk about the connection that each of the three terms have and how they build on one another, because it really puts this idea of process over outcome together. Totally. 
the thing that I want to harp on, and I do it in, in the other podcasts that I'm involved in, is is practice. Yep. So, you know, we go to the gym and we're going to lift or we're going to run or whatever it is, and we expect it to be hard. We expect a challenge because we know that that's going to build us, and the next time that we compete, we're going to be better for it. Working on our mental toughness, mental resilience, mental endurance, it's going to be tough as well, and we should expect that. If we're going to do 20 bicep curls, we expect by number 15, it's going to be hard. Totally. If we're working on meditation and we're getting to minute 30, yeah, it's going to be a little bit difficult, but it's going to make us better for it when it comes to times when we're going to need that mental resilience, that mental endurance, or that mental toughness. So, you know, it's going to be difficult, but persist, just like we talked about. And you're going to be a lot better for it when you get to an opportunity where you're under stress or where you're facing adversity. But your summary there of how we can apply this to sport, I thought was fantastic. Awesome. Well, Miles, I had a lot of fun doing this one with you, and I really think our listeners are um, are going to get a lot out of it. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I had a lot of fun with it. I think that this is a really good one, and it was a really good way to uh, take these terms that are often just thrown together into one and break them down into some manageable and usable terms with some activities that everybody can use, whether you're an athlete or another high performer. Yeah, for sure. All right, Miles, well... Uh, I appreciate you, and I always look forward to the next time. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right. Awesome. Okay, that was good. That was really good.